this is, as you know me, this is very difficult for me. But um, good evening and thank you so much for inviting my family and me to this special occasion. As I put this together, it was certainly good to reminisce about the goodness of the Lord and how he used uh, Pastor Weigel in my life. My wife, Lisa, and I visited Ocean County Baptist Church in August of 1994, shortly after we were married. Our attendance was inconsistent and sporadic until Pastor Weigel became the pastor. Only having been a Christian for a short time, I had never heard preaching like Pastor Weigel's preaching before. And I never heard singing like Mrs. Weigel's singing before. It was powerful, passionate, and applicable. And it was just what we needed to grow in our faith. Pastor Weigel certainly takes seriously his call to feed the Lord's sheep. No one had to tell us to come to church. His preaching made us want to come to church. As a new family, we were thrilled to have found our church home. Opportunities to serve the Lord started to present themselves, and we enthusiastically got involved. It was a joyous time in our lives. As we served, more opportunities came our way. I don't believe this was by accident or coincidence. I believe it was the direct result of pastor training the members to do the work of the ministry. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 state, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. I began to sense the Lord giving me a desire for ministry. I spoke to pastor about this on occasion, and he patiently listened and guided with good counsel. It was clear to me that in order to pursue greater ministry, I needed to further my education. Taking his recommendation, I enrolled in Bible college in September of 2001. I appreciated and benefited greatly from Pastor Weigel's ability to listen, process information, and give objective counsel. In 2003, at a prayer advance, I felt compelled to go forward in an invitation to surrender my life to ministry. Following the service, Pastor once again talked with me and prayed with me. In August of 2005, I accompanied Pastor Weigel to the Philippines. This was a great experience, although I do have to admit, and I'll confess my sin, this isn't written. I'm going off the teleprompter. (laughs) (laughs) I fell asleep for the first time under Pastor Weigel's preaching. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. The trip was hard. It took a toll on me. I don't know why. I never get sick but I got sick and I fell asleep right in the front row. And I'm ashamed about that, Pastor. It wasn't your preaching, it was me. Every opportunity I could take, I went to sleep. It was just hard. But it was a great opportunity. Um, It allowed me to spend personal time with Pastor and I witnessed firsthand his love for the Philippine people and the burden that he carries for people of all nations to trust Christ as their savior. This trip had had extra special meaning to me because upon boarding the flight to come home, he asked me if I would like to get ordained. Didn't quite know what to say about that. For the past 25 years, Pastor Weigel has committed his knowledge to faithful men. 2 Timothy 2.2 states, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. 
who shall be able to teach others also. And as a result, Ocean County Baptist Church has, the unique, has had the unique opportunity to ordain many pastors. And we are serving throughout the nation and even the world. In November of 2005, I was ordained into the gospel ministry. In 10 years, my life had dramatically changed. The Lord knew exactly what I needed in my life. But more specifically, he knew who I needed in my life. One of my fondest memories was preaching at Pastor's former church, Dividing Creek, which I know we've heard a lot about, much about. I'm still, I said Dividing Creek, but I say Creek, so I don't know which one it is. But wherever it is, on April 30th, 2006, I remember thinking how much of an honor it was to be standing behind the very pulpit that he occupied for many years. That was a great privilege. In November of 2007, the Lord called our family to Hornerstown Baptist Church in Cream Ridge, where we have served ever since. When we were there only a short time, the head deacon approached me. He approached me about many things, but one of the things he approached me about was why I mentioned my pastor so much in my preaching. He, he said my doing that was confusing the people. I gently told him that all Christians should have a pastor, myself included, and that I spoke of him because he had a great influence on my life. However, the more I thought about it, I realized that not all Christians are as blessed as I was to have a pastor like Pastor Weigel. During these 25 years, Pastor Weigel has modeled faithfulness and sacrifice the community of Ocean County Baptist Church has been blessed to have a firm and steady hand at the helm for these many years, setting in order those things that are wanting. Titus 1.5 states, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And that certainly has been fulfilled here in this church. Thank you. God bless you. Congratulations. Well, I've, I've known Pastor my whole life. He's been my pastor my whole life. And when I think of, you know, people say, you know, what does pastor mean to you? And um, sometimes I go back to my high school days, and I'm sure pastor doesn't want to revisit those because I remember... Being in his office as a senior and him just saying, Anthony, I don't know why you have a hundred and probably 40 demerits. And, and I remember Pastor just telling me, you know, Anthony, that you have to straighten up. And from then on, and I remember that, that meeting specifically, and God was just telling me, Anthony, you know, there's, you know, there's more to life than goofing off. And, and then I remember um, wanting to go to Bible college. And one of my, the greatest memory I have really of Pastor and helping me and influencing me as then as when we went to West Coast. It's just me and Pastor. It was what took me on a road trip. And he just said, Anthony, if you want to visit it, I'll take you. It's just he took time out of his schedule. And he, I remember <laughs> 5 o'clock in the morning when Pastor says 5 o'clock, it's 5 o'clock and not a minute or, or late. So and he, but he, he showed up at the door, had a coffee ready for me. And I'm thinking I'm, I might fall asleep, but I'll drink it. And, and it was just so just impacting to me to know that Pastor would take time out of his life just for one person, just for me, just to visit. Now, I ended up going to vision, but the fact is that, you know, Pastor took time to just invest in one person, and that really meant the world to me. And I remember on our trip 
And, and he says, he said it all the time in his sermons, you know, I'll just sing songs and I'll just make them up. And I was like, oh, okay. I just didn't think anything of it. And there we are, 5.30 in the morning, and he's driving. He's just making up songs. It's like, wow, he really does. And it was, it was just the joy, just the one thing about Pastor that I know we all can say is that he's very real. He's very down to earth, and you know, you never, he never, he's not faking it. You know what he's thinking. He's, he's just a real person, and that really was, you know, me as a teenager just always getting in trouble, and Pastor was the one telling me that I'm in trouble, and, but then when I got older and I got into Bible college, it just showed me that, you know, Pastor did all that because he loves me, and he wants me to straighten up and not get in trouble, and then I just think of um, just knowing him and getting to know him now in ministry, and what a difference it's made in my life, and Pastor Nick mentioned a lot of it, just going to his house and moving wood around and whatever it may be, just trying to glean wisdom, trying to get to know really the man of God that I have the privilege to work under. And I, my life in you know, ministry and all that I get to do is because I had a pastor for 23 years that, that loved me and wanted me to get in the right direction and wanted me to be in the ministry and invested his life in me and in many other people. And we see that. And I think of that, there's so many people in America and around the world that are in ministry. You heard them say, and I'll say the same thing, that I'm in ministry because of the difference that Pastor Weigel made in my life. And there's many of people, and I think of Tom and Josh and Nick and all the people who, the young people that came through this church, and because Pastor Weigel took time to invest in other people. And I appreciate that, and I appreciate you, Pastor. And and the one thing, and I don't want to take too much time, we know I can talk. And <laughs> the one thing that sticks out in my mind when I think of Pastor Weigel is consistency. I mean, I've been here 23 years, and Pastor's been here 25 years, and we know that he has not changed. You know, times change, people change, and we as Christians should be consistent. We as Christians should stick to the Bible, stick to the things that we were taught. And Pastor Weigel does that to a T, and it's very inspiring to me to say, Anthony, you know, times change. People may do this to get more people. Or people may go contemporary, but it's not the right thing. And I know that we have a pastor who will always stick to the word of God. And I appreciate that, Pastor. I just, I want to thank you for all you do for me and for this church. So when I think of all that pastors meant to me and to our, my family, my parents, there's too many, honestly, there's probably too many words to talk about in the few minutes that I have before you guys. So um, I think about, I was four, almost five years old when my parents first started coming here. And my parents had been saved less than six months. And all the things that happened in the year following that, of the trials that my family went through, that we went through, and how pastor helped my parents and how many of you helped my parents, but really pastor and his and his wife, Mrs. Weigel, how much they have meant to us. I think of the, the trips to the wilds. He would leave here after church at 8.30 at night. He'd stop off for gas and we'd all get sugar and caffeine and stay up till one o'clock in the morning. I think many times the patience that he had to deal with us for those 16 hour trips. Um, I think of the, you know, the different sporting events, the different things there. I think of just his faithfulness and his service. It didn't matter what it was, whether it be a work day, a preaching event. Pastor was always there working, serving, and always there before everyone else to do it. Um, I think about it when I first started coming to this church and when I first got saved, it was Pastor who was the one that really made me want to be a pastor. And it's because, as Pastor Anthony said, I saw the joy and the love that he had for it. 
and the many people that have come through here and served under him and now gone on to be pastors like Mr. Downey and the love that they had and the influence they had on my life. And really that influence came directly from pastor to them and then they were able to pass it on to me. I think of, you know, the, the sacrifice that he's given, the time that him and his wife have given up to help everybody here. And I'm sure that each and every one of us could get up and give testimony of the times that he's helped sacrifice for us. And I think about the churches that was mentioned, the churches nationwide that have been blessed directly as a result of Pastor Weigel's ministry. And the one word that comes to mind through all of it is just faithfulness. When I was in Bible college, Pastor Chapel used to say, when you could measure a person's ministry in decades, you know that they have been faithful to the Lord. And I think about now about four decades that Pastor Weigel's been preaching and almost three that he's been here. And there's no words that can that can equate the trials, the difficulties, the ups and downs that he's been through, the crying that I'm sure him and Mrs. Weigel have done for each and every one of us, for this church, and the love that he has for each and every one of us to continue to stick with it week after week after week. And I just, I love you, Pastor. I thank you guys so much for everything you've done for me and for um, just this church and for my family. And I just, the song that, I'm about to sing a song, and the song that the title of it is Leave With Nothing Left. And basically the point of it is that when it's all said and done, that you don't waste any time, that you give everything you have for the Lord. And I think if there's a song that is more fitting for it, I don't know what it is, but Pastor has literally laid it all on the line for us for these last 25 years. And Pastor, I just thank you so much for that. Could it be that we're so heavenly minded that somehow we've been blinded to what he's calling us to do right here? Could it be that heaven's always planned it, that we leave here empty handed when this life disappears? But is it really living if my one ambition is simply hanging on till we all get out of here? I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom come and I won't wish my life away. I want to live day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. When I think of all that I've been given and what I've learned from living, I know exactly what I need to do. So I pray that God would give me chances to show how great His grace is by living out His truth. If somehow I could choose it, I'd be the one God uses to make a difference in what forever means to you. I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. 
I want to see his kingdom come and I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. I want to be alive. Lend a hand, speak the truth to the dying man. I don't want to waste a breath, one heartbeat in this chest. I want to see his kingdom come in. I won't wish my life away. I want to live each day to give away what I've been given. I don't want to leave here with regret. No, I don't want to leave here with regret. I want to leave with nothing left. Leave with nothing left. I think the words to that song say it all. Um, you know, you, you can never know the heart of somebody else. Only God knows our hearts. But I think I can confidently say that, you know, all the sacrifices that Pastor and Mrs. Weigel have made, and, and I know that, you know, you heard some, a lot of the guys talk about the trips and the 16-hour buses. Back then, they, they didn't have the nice coach we have out there. Pastor will tell you about that. No air conditioning and... What'd you get, about, about 30 miles an hour going up the hills, Pastor? <laughs> and so it would be about 16 hours, um, you know, but through it all, you know, there was a great sacrifice. And, you know, Mrs. Weigel gave up a lot of her time with, with, with Pastor for that. And, uh, you know, sometimes we forget that. Um, but through it all, you know, the one thing that I can think I can confidently say is that they do it all for God's glory. It's never for self-glorification. It's never about that. It's to see people grow in their faith to see people move ahead in serving God. And there's so many people uh, around this country serving the Lord in ministry, teaching, and just living for God uh, in their everyday lives, and it's a result of that. Let's, we're going to look in Joshua. I'm going to try and move very quickly um, through this. No mumbling. I know you've heard me say that before. So, um, you know, when, when I was asked to preach tonight, I counted it a great privilege and an honor. Um, you know, I've, I've been able, myself, my wife, our family's grown so much under the preaching, the tutelage, and just everything that we've, um, that God, that pastor has, you know, helped us grow in our faith here through the Sunday schools, through the preaching of the word. And I counted it a great honor. And then I was like, oh, Lord, please don't let me mess this up. Um, you know, what, what, what do you preach on? You know, and I, I kind of had, I, I was thinking about it weeks ago, and I said, well, I'll preach on this, and I'll preach on that. And then I finally, the Lord just laid on my heart. You know, Pastor, Mrs. Wag, you guys are a great illustration of what it means to be faithful leaders. And uh, the person I thought of was Joshua. You know, when you think of leadership, you think of Joshua. We're going to just read a couple of verses in Joshua chapter 1, and then we're going to get right into it.
Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, Bible says, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then shalt thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this night, Lord. I thank you for the privilege to preach the word. I pray, Lord, that you would use me, Lord. Lord, that I would speak the words you would have me to speak. And Lord, that you would, Lord, just close my lips if they're not your words. And so, Lord, help me, Lord, tonight. I pray, Lord, that uh, the Spirit of God would just have free reign, Lord, tonight to communicate the message that our hearts would be stirred. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joshua is a great illustration, a great picture of what being a faithful leader is. Um, you know, as you, and, and we're not, we don't have time to go into the introduction of it, but if you look at the life of Joshua, he was a man that even prior to the getting to this point in Joshua chapter 1, God was preparing him. God was using him to do little things in preparation for something greater that God would have for him. Way back in the book of Exodus, you read that he was ministering to Moses. He was under the tutelage, the mentorship of Moses. Where Moses went, Joshua was there. You say, well, why is that important? Because God was preparing him. You know, it would be good for us to be around people who love the Lord. That's a good thing. Uh, I, I remember when we were young and, and, and we had just been uh, re, you know, recently saved and I thought, man, I just want to be around people that are talking about the Lord. I never said a word. I didn't find that hard to believe, but I wouldn't say a word. And I would just listen to the conversations because I wanted to soak it all in. That was Joshua. When he was in the tabernacle there, he was with him. When he was up in the mount, he was with him. When he came down, he was the one who said, hey, there's a noise in the camp, Moses. It sounds like there's a war going on. He was by Moses' side preparing. Then you get to Joshua chapter 1. And the first, first words are now after the death of Moses. The reins, the mantle has been passed to Joshua. But understand that Joshua was long trained before that. And, you know, there is a lot of preparation that goes into being a leader. Sometimes people think leadership is pounding a fist and ruling with, a, with, you know, with, a, with, with, a, with an iron fist and bossing people around, and that's not being a leader. That wasn't who Joshua was. When you get to Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to look at this, the first thing I see is that he was a prepared man. He was a prepared man. Pastor just set it up here uh, during the discussion panel. God has a prepared place for a prepared man. I think it's ironic because that is so true. And that was my first point, because in order to be a, a, a successful leader, in order to be the God's leader, we need to be prepared. People can have great visions about what they want to do for the Lord, but we need to be prepared. You, know, you think of David. David was being prepared even as a lad. You say, well, how was he being prepared? You know, he was just a shepherd. You know what? He was obedient. He was, he was honest. 
honoring his father. Whatever his father asked him to do, he did. You say, well, what does that have to do with being the king that he would become? Listen, if we're not going to be faithful in the small things, how is God going to trust us in the big things? He was a prepared man. When you read through Joshua chapter 1, from verse 1 down through verse number 9, and we've read this, we're not going to read it again, but over and over, a lot of times, I have underlined in my Bible, be strong and of a good courage. Be thou strong. Be strong and of a good courage. Over and over, that's the theme. However, what I see that stands out to me is that Joshua listened to God. You know, through those first nine verses, Joshua doesn't say a word. If we're going to be good leaders, we need to listen to God. I'm so thankful. You know, one of the things I had to adapt to when I, when I, when I came on staff here at the school and, and in the church is getting, I'm not a morning person. I never have been. I'm still not a morning person, but I have to kind of force myself to get up. And I was so proud of myself. You know, when school started, I was so proud. I was getting here at like 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning. Pastor was already here. And he would tell me, oh, I've been here for hours. I'm like, hours? <laughs> I think I went to sleep hours ago. But you know what? He was preparing himself. He was preparing himself. Why? Because we have to prepare ourselves every single day. You know, the day doesn't start when we get into the battle. We have to prepare ourselves for those battles. We have to prepare ourselves for what may be coming that day. And, and I'm so thankful for that example that 4 o'clock in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, even when the sun isn't even close to rising yet, pastor would be in his office praying, preparing reading, listening to God, and, and that's a good example for all of us. Joshua here listens before ever speaking to God. He listens to God before he ever talks to the people or to God himself. Prayer involves speaking and listening. You know, I think sometimes when we, you know, we get, we're, we're going to be starting this 40 days of prayer and fasting, I think it would do us well before we start speaking to God that we listen to God. Too often, our prayer time is talk, 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 amen. And sometimes we need to find quiet time because I got to tell you, you know, when we've had times when we've had either prayer conferences here or prayer times at the prayer events, the most sweetest times. And that's why they, they, they you know, we, we, we want to be apart from everything, is when you find a quiet time and you just listen for God. Because we have an agenda sometimes when we pray, and that's okay. Listen, we are to take our requests to the Lord. But we need to listen to God too. Joshua here listens. Not only does he listen before speaking, you know, when we get to verse 10, he starts talking to the people, but not until God is done talking to him. You know, how can we be leaders if we don't listen to God? We have to get our direction from God. Not only does he listen before speaking, but he listens thoroughly. He listens thoroughly. He listens to everything that God has for him. You know, sometimes we hear things through a message or through our Bible reading, and we may not actually like it. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm not good in that area. We need to listen thoroughly we need to listen to every aspect of what God not just the parts we like because those parts we don't like are areas that God's probably trying to work in our hearts 
And Joshua is an illustration of someone who's prepared. Why? Because he listened to God. You read through the book of Joshua, he always listened to God. I am thankful that, you know, all, so many times pastors stand here and God has laid something on his heart. You know why? Because he listened to God. And when you listen to God, God will speak to you. God will speak to us. You know, sometimes when people say, I feel like my prayers are just bouncing off the walls. Well, and, uh, what we need to do maybe is stop talking and just listen. We just need to listen. Not only did Joshua listen to God, but Joshua looked to God. We talked a little bit about it during the, uh, during the panel discussion. You know, it's a good thing that in the midst of trials that we turn to God. Um, one of the things that I've always treasured um, over the years of being here, every time I've had a situation, I'm one of those people, I like to ask questions. Mark would know that. When we did our discipleship, we did the, the, the discipleship books, all four of them. I, I, it's amazing we're still friends, brother, because I asked so many questions. One day I asked him a question, he actually called pastor. He goes, i got to ask pastor, where do you get these questions from? I said, I'm not trying to stump you. But I would go into pastor's office frequently and ask him different questions about different things. Sometimes it, was, it needed counsel on something, and without fail, he would always open up his Bible, or he would give me a scripture verse and say, you know what that is? Looking to God for the answers. You need to look to, listen, good leaders look to God for answers, not to the world, not to a, a devotional book, to the word of God. That's where the answers lie. Joshua was a good leader because he always sought God's direction before leading the people. You know, God spoke to Joshua. When there was sin in the camp, God spoke to Joshua. Joshua went to the Lord seeking the answers. Joshua didn't understand it. But he didn't say, oh, look what you've done, God, and turn his back on God. He went to the Lord. And there are things in our life we're not going to understand sometimes, but we always should look to God. If we are going to mentor and lead, it's only going to happen as we follow God, as we follow God. As you read down in Joshua chapter 1 and verse number 16, it says, And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee, only the Lord thy God be with thee, as he was with Moses, whosoever he be that do, doth rebel against thy commandments and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Joshua always looked to God and it was that leadership of Joshua, that mentorship that was enabled him to be the leader that he would become. That's one of the things I appreciated of Pastor Leonard Ravenhill said this, a true shepherd leads the way, he does not merely point the way. It's easy to tell people what to do. It's harder but more effective to show people what to do. And as these men gave testimony, as we saw it on the video clips, you know, Pastor, Mrs. Weigel, you guys have been an example of how to live the Christian life. And I'll forever be thankful. Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm a dope, and I don't know how to do things all the time, but I'm thankful that we have someone that we can look to and say, hey, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul said it, be followers of me as I follow Christ. He didn't say, follow me, because look at how good I am. You know what he said? Follow me as I follow Christ. That's a good example. Listen, if we're going to be followers, there's a lot of people in the world, you know, young people following a lot of different people. Movie stars, athletes, music people, all that. You know what? We need to follow someone who follows after Christ. That's the best example that you can have. If you were going to mentor someone, 
That's how we do it. By being an example, not in just telling people how to lead, but in demonstrating it. So a prepared man. Number two, Joshua was a faithful man. He was a faithful man. I think I put the verses up there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Yep. The Bible says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's easy to believe in something you can see, something tangible you can touch, something that you have control over. What about things you don't see? What about things that, that, that we haven't seen yet? We believe God, but that's faith. Faith to believe. Verse 6 of Hebrews 11, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. You say, well, what do you mean? Walk through this building. That's a work of faith. This church is a work of faith. I, I remember when that building was built, we were here a few years, and, and I remember thinking, wow, a million dollars or whatever it was, it was more than that. And I was like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of faith. Now, having been here for six years, seventh year at the school, and to see the amount of lives that have been touched just since I've been here, and all the lives that have been touched and impacted from before then, it was a work of faith that God blessed. And it's a work of faith that is still blessing today. But it took faith to believe God that God was going to do a great work. We didn't know how it was going to happen. I'm sure there's days now, Pastor, you, how is this all going to happen? <laughs> we often laugh. Every, every year when we get ready to, to you know, do the budget for the school, we just kind of look at each other. We're like, is it going to happen? We're like, well, God will keep doing it. And that, we just kind of look at each other. I know it's probably not, if there's any accountants out there, it's probably not the best way to do it, Tom. You know, we don't. <laughs> but listen, that's what faith is. Faith is believing. And I'm so thankful for a pastor and, a wife, and his wife who, who live their lives believing God every step of the way. Joshua was faithful to God's promises. He was faithful to God's promises. William Carey said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. Do you believe God? You know, in Numbers, we don't have time to turn there, but in Numbers, when they were sent to spy out the land, they sent 12 spies to spy out the land. God had already told them that they were going to get the land. God had promised them the land. When Moses sent out the spies, and 12 went out, and 10 came back, basically saying, well, it's got this, it's got that, but we're like grasshoppers in their eyes, those giants and fear overtook them and they looked at the circumstances and they looked at the, the situation and they said, we can't. But two men, Caleb and Joshua, said we can't, but God can. Why? Because he was faithful to God's promises. He knew what God had promised him. He was, he was, he was mentored under the tutelage of Moses and he believed that God was going to do it. If God said he was going to do it, God's going to do it. Watchman Nee said, faith looks not at what happens to him, but at him whom he believes. We don't need to look at the circumstances, because it isn't the circumstances that we need to worry about. We need to put our eyes on God, because God's going to do the work, not us. And Joshua was faithful to God's promises. And I'm thankful that for 25 years, you've been faithful to the promises of God, believing that God's going to do it, not knowing how, but knowing that he's going to do it. So many lives have been impacted. I, I was thinking as, as we were watching the video and as 
the guys who are giving testimonies of all the people, the number of churches that are represented from, from here, from Ocean County Baptist Church. Um, a couple of years ago, Daniel was in Japan ministering for several years overseas. We have missionaries all around the world. Um, prayer conferences that have been started in the Philippines because of your impact. Listen, that doesn't happen because of how good we are or how good pastor is. It happens because of the God we serve and by being faithful to his promises. Not only faithful to God's promises, but faithful by God's power. We read in Joshua chapter one, over and over it says, be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. You know, he starts Joshua chapter one by telling him, be strong and of a good courage. Why do you think he told them that? Because he was going to face some things that was going to make him question whether or not he could do it or not. And he was reminding him, be strong and of a good courage. Why? Because God was doing the fighting for him. Be faithful, Joshua. Be strong. Be of a good courage. Because I, I have your back. I got this. It's not about us. It's not about our strength. It's not about our might. It's not about our intelligence. It's not about any of that. It's about the God we serve. He was faithful by God's power. R.C. Sproul said, the issue of faith is not so much whether we believe in God, but whether we believe the God we believe in. Think about that. You know, we believe God for salvation. If we were to give testimony, are you saved tonight? We, our hands would go up and say, amen, we're saved. Why do you believe that? Because God promised it. The Bible says if I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that I'm saved and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And we believe that, no doubt. Well, then why do we not believe God for everything else? Because that same God that saved us, that same God that keeps us, that's the same God that gave Joshua the victories he did. That's the same God we serve today. It's not a different God in the Old Testament than the God. No, it's the same God. And if God enabled Joshua to get those victories and he had faith to believe his God, then we can have faith to believe God today. He was faithful by God's power. He was faithful to God's word. You know, we read it in Joshua chapter 1. The only time the word success is found in the Bible is in that verse number 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for thou, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Remember when the first day that... Um, the first Sunday, or it might have been the first second Sunday that my wife and I came here, and we sat actually where we're sitting right now. It's like we've come full circle. We sat there because we didn't know what to expect, and we figured if we don't like it, we can go out the door. <laughs> um, listen, we were only saved a couple of months. So you have to understand, we, we didn't un we this was all new to us, okay? Laughing and cheering, not cheering, but laughing and enjoying and joyfully singing. That's not, that's not the church I grew up in. I love it. But it was, it was different. So we sat there, and I remember, you know, Pastor was preaching. I'll never forget, Pastor was preaching on gossip. And I thought, boy, this is not something you hear in the church I grew up in. People would have been throwing things. They would have been taking their money out of the offering. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> my wife and I, 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 listen, I don't remember a lot of things, but I remember this as if it was yesterday. We sat there, and we're like, whoa. <laughs> what have we gotten ourselves into? And... We went home, and then we said, well, what do you think? Are we going to keep going back there? And I said, listen, I said, we don't know a lot, but the word of God's being preached. And it's being preached from the Bible, and it's being preached with authority. And I appreciate, you know, the testimonies from Pastor Nick and Josh and some of the other men that came up here, and they all said the same thing. You know, for, for all the years I've been here, the word of God from this pulpit is always preached with power, 
and with authority. That, you know, we need to be careful not to take that for granted because that's not the case all around this world anymore. Church has become more of an entertainment stop than a place where sinners repent and lives are changed. That's not what church is supposed to be. Oswald Chambers said, faith never knows where it is being led, but it loves and knows the one who is leading. When you read the word of God and God impresses something on your heart, follow. Say, well, I need to pray over it. Sometimes we need to pray. Sometimes we just need to do. But one thing I can tell you is we need to be faithful to the word of God. Faithful to the word of God. Pastor, I'm going to misquote this, but I know you've said this before, that when you were in college, they said, never cast any doubt when you're preaching on the word of God. Listen, the, the only thing that's going to change lives is not how flowery we can speak. It's not how elegant we can speak. It's the words contained in the word of God. This is what changes lives. This is what changed my life. This is what changed your life. Titus 1.9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Listen, we're not going to change this world by trying to convince them or, or, you know, well, you know, if we just present the gospel differently. Now, there's a lot of that going on today. You know, we, we, need to, we, need to, we need to adapt to the culture. No, we don't. Where is that saying? Listen, I'm, I'm all for it. I know cultures are different, and I know there's different ways of getting the message out there, but the message needs to remain the same. Salvation by faith in Christ and Christ alone. Faithful to God's word. Letter D, faithful in God's victories. Charles Spurgeon said, Faith and works are bound up in the same bundle. He that obeys God, trusts God. He that trusts God, obeys God. He that is without faith is without works, and he that is without works is without faith. The two go hand in hand. You know, when you get to Joshua chapter number 6, and they get ready to go in and take Jericho, the thing that stands before them is the wall. And and I was thinking about this yesterday as I was looking over my notes again, and I thought to myself, could you imagine, ask yourself this question. Put yourself back in that day. Put yourself back in that day. I want you to pretend you're there. And Joshua steps forward. He says, here's what I want you to do. We're going to march around the wall. All right, and then what are we going to do? We're going to loosen the foundation. What are we going to do, Joshua? No, just march around the wall. All right, what are we going to do the next day? We're going to march around the wall. They're all sitting there whispering, he's got a plan, he must. We're going to march around the wall, and we're going to march around the wall. And on the last day, guess what we're going to do? We're going to march around the wall. And then the wall's just going to fall. Now listen, we know the end of the story, and we know how it turns out. But I want you to pretend that you're there. Would you have had the faith to believe that God was going to knock that wall down? Because listen, there's walls today in our life that God wants to take down. And all he wants us to do is to believe him by faith that those walls can come down. The problem is we're looking for a better solution. We're looking, we got to get the big guns out. We got to take, you know what that is? That's we taking control over the situation as opposed to putting our faith and trust in God. We need to be faithful in God. Listen, God wants to give us the victories. He wants to give us the victories. I can think of so many times that I've stepped ahead of God's ways and decided I'm going to do it my own way. 
and it failed miserably. And then there's other times where I didn't have a clue how it was going to turn out. And God stepped in and did something miraculous and removed that wall. Just like he removed that giant out of the way of David. It wasn't about the stone. It, wasn't, it was about David's faithfulness in his God. And the giant fell. And the wall fell. Listen, there's giants and walls in our life. And God desires to knock those walls down and knock that giant over. But we need to believe him. We need to be faithful to him. And I'm thankful for the works of faith that have gone on here because of Pastor and Mrs. Weigel's vision for us and for this church. He was a faithful man. He was a steadfast man. He was a steadfast man. Over in Numbers chapter 14, very quickly, Numbers chapter 14, and verse 6. We know the story. Talked about entering the, the, the land to spy out the land. And then the battle starts. The ten spies didn't want to go in. Joshua and Caleb said, we should go in. And now you have conflict. We need to be steadfast. I am so thankful that pastor, Mrs. Weigel, you guys are not swayed by the culture or the majority. That we stand against the majority. That's, I think that's the first point, Jackie, put that up. Joshua stood against the majority because it was the right thing to do. There's a lot of people caving in today and giving in because, well, the, popular, the popularity is we need to do this or we need to do that. And, and I know I've talked to pastor over the years about, you know, people who have contacted the church and want us to get involved in a variety of different things. Well, everybody's doing it. I remember, I remember the first experience I had with that. I was overworking on the school and a guy knocked on the door and I opened the door. Nice enough guy. And he had a whole bunch of flyers and posters and all this stuff. And he goes, hey, I want to give this to you guy. We got this and that going on. I was like, okay. And I, I really wasn't paying attention because I was busy with the school. And I said, let me take a look at it. And I said, I'll have to talk to my pastor. It was a Friday. He wasn't here. And I said, and I'll have to talk to my pastor. And well, all right, just give us a call. The number's there. I said, great. And I looked at it, and it was a, hey, everybody get together under one umbrella. And I thought, oh, now this is never going to happen. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Because you know what? People will say, like, oh, you, just, you, you guys just don't want unity. See, they, people like to drop these key words in there. Well, you don't want unity. You don't want peace. How can there be unity when everybody doesn't believe the same thing? Joshua and Caleb stood up and they said, this is wrong. Guess what? The majority, they wanted to kill them. Well, <laughs> let's stone them. And yet they stood up and said, this is wrong. We need to go into the land because God has promised us the land. God will give us the land. We need to do it. And there's many times that the culture or the times may dictate that we do something else. But I'm thankful that we come to a church where we don't give in to the majority. We stand against it if it's the right thing to do. Not only did he stand against the majority, but he spoke under the authority of God. You know, Joshua didn't say, this is what I think. He says, this is what God said. When you have a conflict or, you know, the, the majority or the, popul the popular vote, if you will, is telling you to do something else, and you're like, man, I don't really know what to do, go to the Word of God. It would do us well to get our answers from God. 
as opposed to saying, well, everyone else is doing it. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't make it right. Read through the book of Acts. By the way, this is a lot of what went on then. We say like, oh man, this is all new. They've never had to deal with this before. (laughs) Read through the book of Acts. It was worse. But yet Paul and the apostles and the disciples, they continued to go and preach the word. They would leave Paul for dead and he would rise up and keep right on going. Why? Because he understood that he was speaking under the authority of God. When you speak under the authority of God, who cares what anybody says? It doesn't matter. See, when we have our opinions, that's when we get ourselves in trouble. But if we say, thus saith the Lord, we don't have to worry about it. When Joshua stood up, he knew what God had said. And he said, our God has said this. He's going to give us that land. He'll give us the victory. And throughout the ministry and the life of Joshua, that's what he did. He lived a life that he did what? He followed God, he surrendered to God, he listened to God, and he did everything under God's authority. When you do that, you don't have to worry about what everybody else says. Listen, if everybody else says you're wrong and God says you're right, then you're right. The word of God does not need to be changed to accommodate the times. That's the problem. There's so many different versions of the Bible out today that someone who's newly saved, they don't even know where to go. He didn't need a new message. The message was still the same. If you read in, in, uh, in uh, Joshua chapter 1 that we read before in verse 15, you know what Joshua does? He continues the same message that Moses had already started. There wasn't a new message. He didn't say, whoo, Moses is gone. Now I can do things my way. No, you know what he did? He continued doing what Moses did because it was the same message from the same God. He was a steadfast man because he stood against the majority. He spoke under the authority of God, and he sustained his priority. You know, when you get to the end of the life of Joshua, and he had been through a lot, his objective, his priority never changed. A verse that we're familiar with in Joshua 24, 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I am so thankful that, Pastor, Mrs. Weigel, that you've stood here and said, I don't care what the world says, we're going to do things God's way. We're going to serve God. And listen, did the people heed? Maybe for a short time, but if you read in the next book what happened, they quickly turned. And it was a disaster because they would end up in bondage, They would need judges to deliver them. They should have taken his heed. Joshua understood, listen, from the very beginning of his life to the very end, he said, I am going to serve God. And by the way, as for me and my house, he was being a leader in the complete sense of the word. Because he understood his position as a leader, and he said, listen, me and my house, we're going to serve God. You choose who you're going to serve, we're going to serve the Lord. He was steadfast in everything he did. And finally, he was a spirit-filled man. J. Oswald Sanders said, there is no such thing as a self-made spiritual leader. A true leader influences others spiritually only because the spirit works in and through him to a greater degree than in those he leads. Does that mean that somebody has more of the spirit than somebody else? Listen, when we're saved, we receive the Holy Spirit of God. Let me repeat that. When we're saved, you receive the Holy Spirit of God. 
The Bible does say that you can quench the spirit. How do we quench the spirit? By living in and walking in the flesh. When you're walking according to the flesh and to the lusts of the flesh, you're not sensitive to the spirit's leading. When people say, I want to be filled with the spirit, we have all of the spirit. However, however, we're not allowing the spirit to control every aspect of our life. Joshua, in Numbers 27, 18, says that he was a man in whom is the Spirit. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him. A faithful leader requires to be walking in the Spirit. Up until this point in Joshua's life, he's been ministering to Moses, but now he's having Moses basically say, this is the man whom God has chosen. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, when they chose deacons, it says, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost. Spiritual men. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, that this I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Whether you're a leader, whether you're just someone who's newly saved, the battle between the spirit and the flesh is real in everyone's life. We, listen, when you're a, a pastor, when you're a Sunday school teacher, you're not exempt from the battles. As a matter of fact, the battles are probably stronger because your desire is to live holy lives that are acceptable to the Lord and the devil fights even harder against you because he doesn't want you doing that. But if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Ephesians chapter 5, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, don't allow other things to rob you of walking in the Spirit. In this case, he's talking about being drunk with wine. But don't be under the control of anything other than the Spirit of God. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, quench not the Spirit. You know, I always kind of try to explain it this way whenever I teach it. Quenching the Spirit is God is speaking to you and we're doing this. I don't want to hear it, Lord. And listen, we do that, by the way. We say, we can't shut God up. Yes, we can. If we, if we decide that we don't want to hear it, we close our Bible because we don't like what the Bible is telling us, or we don't go to church because we don't want to hear what the preacher has to say, that's what we're doing. We're quenching the Spirit. I'm thankful that the Word is always preached with power, and whether I like it or not, that's, that's my own heart. We need it. We need to hear the word. Listen, when you're brokenhearted and in tears and are running to the altar because of your conviction, that's a good thing. You say, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Because God is working in your heart and he's changing you. And Joshua was a man who had the spirit. He says, a man in whom is the spirit. That's the people we need to desire to be. That's the people that God wants to be, wants us to be. And then he says in Deuteronomy 34, 9, that he, was, he had the spirit of wisdom, full of the spirit of wisdom. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him, and the children of Israel hearkened unto him. He had the spirit of wisdom. I'm thankful that when I, I've mentioned before that when I've gone to speak with pastor at different times, that it's always biblical counsel. Sometimes I'm like, man, I would have never thought that. That's wisdom. There was a, a situation, I'm not going to get into all the details. Our pastor probably doesn't even remember the situation, but my wife and I were deciding whether to do something, and 
went to talk to pastor about it and, and we were probably going to do this situation and pastor said well and he gave me some good counsel he said be careful because of this that and the other thing he said you know you need to pray but you need to be careful and we prayed about it and we opted not to do it and when we look back at how things would have turned out we are so grateful and thankful and I never told him that but it was just the counsel that he gave us was wise counsel Listen, if, if somebody's going to give you counsel, and young people especially, if somebody's going to give you advice or somebody's going to give you counsel, make sure it's biblical counsel. If somebody says, well, this is what I think. <laughs> Listen, it really doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks. And so we need to go to people who are going to have the spirit of wisdom to, in, to give us that. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, they're up on the verse on the screen, that the, God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then verse 18, I think I have it. Yep, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling. You know, I could stand up here forever and testify of all the ways that pastors helped me, my wife, my family grow. Um, 25 years, people think 25 years, they think, man, you must be old. Now, that's faithfulness. You know, Pastor Anthony, I think you said it about, no, was it Pastor Anthony or was, yeah, it was, I think it was one of you guys said something about when your ministry is measured in decades, faithfulness. And 1978, you got saved, Pastor? 79? 79. 41 years. Yeah, 41 years. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it's, it's late, okay? 41 years. That's four decades. You have no idea what a blessing that is to us. Um, we're going to close in prayer. Uh, once we're done closing, Pastor and Mrs. White, would you come up? We have a couple of presentations we want to give to you guys. But let's close in prayer, and um, then we have a couple of things we're going to present, and then we'll be done. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for the example in the life of Joshua of what a faithful leader is. We're thankful, Lord, that we have a pastor and his wife, Lord, who are demonstrating that in the way they live their lives, Lord. Lord, we are so blessed and thankful for the leaders that you have put here for us, and we're thankful that for 25 years, Lord, their faithfulness has shown through, and their love for you has been clear and evident. Lord, I pray that you would continue to bless them, continue to watch over them, continue to protect them, Lord, as they continue to lead this church and lead the people here. And Lord, help us as a church to be united Lord, to continue to grow in our faith. And Lord, we love you. And we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, at this time, Pastor Anthony, did he disappear? Oh, there you are. <laughs> all right, Pastor Anthony has a presentation, and then uh, Jim and Tammy Kennedy have a presentation as well. So, presenting Pastor Weigel. Hey, Mrs. Weigel, your name's on it, too. With this plaque of recognizing 25 years of faithful service. to make sure they're still alive. <laughs> On behalf of the deacons in the congregation of Ocean County Baptist Church, we'd like to present you with this bag of fishing lures. 
<laughs> I, think, I think if you put them in a the fridge and get home, they'll still be squirming there. <laughs> uh, we wanted to get you a three-week-old paid expense trip to fish in the Mediterranean. <laughs> but we just weren't able to do it. <laughs> so this is the next best thing. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, I was thinking uh, um, just about the faithfulness of God in our lives back in 1979 after we shortly after I got saved uh, well, of course my wife and I were not saved when we got married uh, but then uh, when we heard the gospel we trusted Christ our Savior I felt God called me to preach and I didn't know what that was going to be to her and because uh, that wasn't the deal when we got married amen but anyway I, I just I was on the road all week long driving truck and I came home with a Saturday morning my wife was making breakfast and um, uh, I was listening to Amazing Grace uh, on a record player. <laughs> I tell you how old I am. And uh, we, I was listening to Amazing Grace and God just broke my heart. Uh, all I could see in my mind was people being thrown into hell. And I just thought of the grace of God that saved me and, and I, she never saw me cry. And uh, I just started shaking. I literally was shaking and weeping because of the fact of people going to hell. And I didn't know what was going on. And she saw me shaking like that, and she came out, and she knelt down next to me, and she asked me, so what's going on? I said, I don't know what's going on in my life, but I think God's called me to preach. And she came, hugged me, and she said, wherever God wants you to go, I'll go with you. And uh, I've drugged this woman all over the world, amen, <laughs> and uh, still taking her places, amen. We're glad to be in ministry. Uh, God has been very gracious to, to us. Anything that we've been able to accomplish or be able to impact people's lives, it's all because of God's grace. And I'm just an old farm boy, truck driver, that's all I am. And, uh, but God has been gracious. Yeah, I know you're all laughing, amen. I've, <laughs> I'm going to go out and start that bus up and smell the exhaust, amen? <laughs> don't worry about it. But anyway, I don't know. I thought of a lot of other things, but I'm not going to get into it, amen? I know you want to get something to eat. We do have something to eat over there, don't we? Amen. It's a nervous thing when your deacon comes up to you and say, Pastor, you don't have to preach Sunday night. You think, okay, am I being uh, relieved of my duties here or what? <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, it's been a wonderful 25 years here. It's been challenging 25 years, but God has been gracious. My heart is blessed of how many people's lives have been impacted, not just here, but in other churches. Young men have left from here and are in ministry, and uh, they're impacting people, and God is still doing a work of grace, amen, and we're looking for even greater things that God's gonna do in the future. This is not my retirement night, amen. <laughs> 25 years. God bless you. Well, we do have coffee and cake on the other side. So as we get ready to pray, Pastor, if you and Mrs. Weigel would head over, there's a table set up for you guys over there right in the center. We're going to pray. And um, once we pray, you can make your way over there. Like I said, there's coffee. It is decaf, I think. Yes. Right, Mrs. Russell, decaf? Oh, she did? Okay. I think it's decaf. Hopefully. If not, we'll... 
We'll be up late tonight. But uh, all right, let's, let's have a word of prayer, and then we can make our way over to the other side. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of, Lord, just faithfulness and ministry. I do pray that you would continue to bless Pastor and Mrs. Weigel. Lord, I pray that you continue to watch over them. I do pray that as we, uh, Lord, just uh, have some uh, refreshments now, that you would bless that. Uh, Lord, that you would bless our time together. We love you, Lord, and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.